Hi there. This is the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm so glad you joined me today. I like to start out every podcast, besides saying hello and welcome, with what I call a pod quote. And that's just a quote that I want to share with you that inspires me, gives me a little something to think about that I hope that you'll uh, think about as well. And hopefully it will resonate with you. So today's pod quote is by Harry Emerson Fosdick. It's a little bit long, but don't worry, I will repeat it again somewhere in here or at the end of the podcast. Of course, you can always listen to this again. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. (laughs) So here we go. Rebellion against your handicaps gets you nowhere. Self-pity gets you nowhere. One must have the adventurous daring to accept oneself as a bundle of possibilities and undertake the most interesting game in the world making the most of one's best. I love that. It really resonated with me, especially the last few weeks, and I'll explain more why in a minute. Today's podcast title is Mirror, Mirror. Okay, so have you ever had a time when you felt stuck, (laughs) kind of unable to get anything accomplished in your mind, um, or in your body, or in your work, or in your play, or in anything, because you feel stuck? Yeah, I've had one of those kind of weeks, two weeks, three weeks here. That's what I feel like, like I'm spinning my wheels. And it's kind of like my mind is blank, yet somehow at the same time, it's filled with all kinds of head traffic, all kinds of noise, to-do lists. I know that sounds impossible, but I think you probably know what I mean because it's not impossible. Your mind can feel blank and yet overcrowded and full at the same time. Some people call that brain fog. Blaming it on everything from environmental toxins to food additives to being ticked off about whatever some politician said this week that made you have a bad week. (laughs) But I don't call it brain fog. I can think of probably a thousand other words that describe it better. Fog, to me, indicates that you're dense or thick-headed. So even though I do tend to think my head is too big for my body, I wouldn't call it thick or foggy. (laughs) No, I just don't like that particular wording. What I do think better fits it is cerebral chaos, or as my brother used to say growing up, he had a crowded cranium. So to me, it's a a matter of my gray matter, the gray matter in my head not working correctly. It's like my synapses have stalled out, or what I call synapstillation. (laughs) My cerebellum has taken a vacation. Thank God it hasn't been permanent, but it was definitely a cerebrocation. So anyhow, this fogginess idea does not describe what I'm talking about here. Stuck does because I feel stuck between working synapses. I'm stalled out between mental destinations. I can't really go forward with this whole myriad of things that my brain knows I need to go forward with, yet I can't go back because my brain has seemingly stalled out. I'm kind of sitting in one spot spinning my mental wheels. Typically, I don't know about for you all, but where my brain leads, the body follows. So it takes a huge amount of effort to get my body up and going in a healthy direction when my brain can't seem to go there first. Are you with me on this? I'm sure that I am not alone. I mean, sometimes I can do it. I can get my body moving even if my brain is rebelling and usually I feel better if I do. At other times, I just honestly give into it. I space out and I take that cerebrocation. So today, as I I share this podcast episode episode with you, um, my cerebral chaos, I know for a fact, has directly been linked to 
the physical to my body. You see, I may be able to accurately identify that it's triggered by this, that I know what stalls out my synapses, but that doesn't mean I have the immediate cure to kick them back in gear. It's as if one of one little thing or one little topic, one little insecurity or sadness or aggravation or fear has the potential to totally derail my motivation and my objective reasoning. It can douse any spark that I have going on. Um, it can kind of slow down my heartbeat to where I don't feel motivated. And usually I don't let it, whatever it may be, do that to me. I don't let it take me down for too long anyway. Usually it's another person, their attitude or the way they've treated me that kind of might attempt to douse my spark and stall me on the path that I have marked out for my day or that I feel God is leading me down. And I know that's a weakness and I'm dealing with it, but but it wasn't someone else that was the trigger for me the last couple of weeks. It was not anything else that someone else said. It wasn't an idiot driver in front of me on the road or a gossipy coworker or the gum stuck on the bottom of my shoe that ruined my shoe. It's, it, it wasn't a, a hot flash or a hangnail or a bad hair day. It, it, it wasn't an extra bill I didn't expect or a flat tire or a missed doctor's appointment that derailed my train of thought and my ability to keep chugging forward. Nope. Nope. It was 100% the flesh, the physical, my body getting to my brain. Most specifically, I guess I should say my vanity and insecurity over my body. Oh, okay. So extremely candid here is most of you who've listened to my podcast for very long know I'm extremely candid and very open. So I was at a speaking engagement a little over a month ago. And I had it videotaped so I could use snippets of it here and there on my website and on my social media. In viewing the video, I remembered why I don't have videos on my social media Ugh. I, and why I don't have them on my website anymore and I haven't in years. Strangely enough, though, most of the videos I have tried to do the past few years so that I could update them and put them on my website um, have not gone well because the quality of the video was so grainy or the sound was so horrible. I haven't really been able to use them for me. I was doing a little old happy dance over that because even though I really knew I needed to put videos on there, I was glad they were cruddy because frankly, I didn't like having them on there and I didn't want to be on video. You can re record my voice all day long and use audio snippets and I'm totally fine with it. But video it makes me want to run screaming off the edge of the planet. <laughs> Yet, okay, I have churches and organizations asking me for video clips. I have followers on Instagram asking me to please put, post some Insta stories um, with something inspirational. And I have podcast listeners emailing me asking me, why don't you post videos to go with your podcast? Which takes me back to my latest effort to have video clips ready to launch on my Instagram and add to my website. Oh my gosh, I hate the video that was done. It wasn't the videographer. It wasn't the camera. It wasn't the lighting. It wasn't even the sound. I mean, the lighting in the church wasn't great, but, but that's a church. Okay, that's kind of hard to control. But it wasn't too bad either. It wasn't grainy. I can overlook the lights. I can overlook the occasional coughs, the occasional child crying in the background. But what I couldn't overlook was me. Pure and simple. It was me. All right. This is coming from the teacher of gaining your identity in Christ, not in the world. That's what I teach teenagers 
and college age girls and even women 21 and older. And I preach about ignoring what the world says you should look like and what you should do and what you should wear. I am the purveyor. I can talk. Okay, sometimes I can talk apparently. I'm the purveyor of positive body talk. I teach these teenage girls to remember that their flesh is only one part of who they are and it is an ever-changing, growing, shrinking, morphing, hormonal mess half the time. And yet, when I saw myself on video and when I see myself in those pictures, all of that goes out the window. Every bit of it went out the window the last few weeks. Truthfully, not always, but when I feel vulnerable and I'm already down about myself for one reason or another, usually due to something emotional and and difficult going on in my life at the time, those pictures of me, any pictures of me, period, hit me hard, but especially the last couple of weeks. Frankly, though I truly do love myself, and I do, I love myself so much more than I did when I was younger. I do not like the way I look. Love does not does not equal like. Uh, right now, my hair is thinning due to medication, and I'm battling thyroid issues. And after having broken myself last year, my leg and my ankle, I was not nearly as active as I typically am, so I gained weight. So my normal cycle of hiking, walking, trampling through the woods, and other trails was pretty much non-existent last year. I'm so thankful I'm up and walking now. I'm not running yet though, but I am walking and I'm moving and I'm able to do things I haven't been able to do in a year. I was able to put in my garden with a little help from my friends. Thank you, friends. Um, and, And I'm able to get out in it every single day and pull weeds and do things in the yard. So I'm very thankful. But the reality is I'm older now than I was a year ago. (laughs) I'm not as strong as I used to be. And my body is changing and it shows. The bags under my eyes are not as big as the bags hanging from underneath my arms, (laughs) but I feel like they're getting close. And let's face it, once a gal hits a certain age, your breasts retreat south. It's like there's a magnet attached to my feet and my nipples are made of steel. (laughs) And so as I do lose weight, that skin that was once filled with plump perkiness, it's still there. But the plumpness and the perkiness is gone. So it looks like a deflated balloon. And at times I look in the mirror and I wonder who Velcroed Sharpe puppies to my thighs. (laughs) To me, it's bad. And yes, you might not find that funny, but I have to laugh over it. I know I'm not the only one. So right now, today I could laugh. But a few weeks ago, I wasn't laughing. So yeah, I admit it. The way I look in pictures and videos is one of the perpetrators to my negative feelings that I've had over the last few weeks. It is one of the... The things that propelled me into cerebral chaos because that's all I could focus on. The rest has to do with the way I feel physically. The sleepless nights, toss, turn, toss, turn, toss, turn. Um, I don't have any real hot flashes. I had a hysterectomy almost 20 years ago. So I've been there, sweated that out already. But the physical changes that come with getting older are a very real thing. The battle to balance my hormones, to control my celiac, and to have a greater understanding of what my body is going through on a day-to-day basis and what it will go through due to the fact that I have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, it's very real. And some days, it's too real. And a few weeks ago, and last week, it was too, too real. Now, I know I'm not the only one. With or without a genetic disorder, or a painful diagnosis, or a sickness, we all change. Bit by bit, day by day. 
It's the process of living. It's the process of aging. Everyone goes through it, men and women alike. And I think, well, most of this is just normal considering, well, life is life. So why the pity party, Karen? Why the boo-hooey, oh, I am this close to hating myself rhetoric? Because that's what was going on in my head. I don't want to become a whiny witch that says, oh, look at my social media profile with this fake femme fatale in need of constant attention attitude. And while I'm far from that most days, um, last week, it was one of those weeks where I would go get a makeover, get my hair done, and wear clothes that are way too tight for my body if I had been given half a chance in the hopes that it might make me feel better. And probably it would, but because there is something to it, right? Or so many women wouldn't be doing it. But I know that feel better, that little high, it would fizzle out. It doesn't last. That feel-good thing of strutting my stuff around and getting attention for whatever it is that I've done to my body to enhance myself, to make it look better, to squeeze it into something, to try to make it look smaller, it wouldn't last very long. Which is why so many women and men do it over and over and over again. So again, I don't typically let these physical things get in the way of my mental and spiritual concentration or let my body derail my purpose. Um, in fact... Just as an example, I was walking down the hall the other day at work and someone about 15 feet in front of me, heading my direction, started laughing and pointing in my direction. This is someone who's always been really nice to me. I think she was just kind of clueless and ignorant. That's not an insult, but I really do think that she was clueless and ignorant about this. So I, I, I turned and looked behind me because I thought she was pointing to someone behind me or something going on. Maybe somebody was making a face or being goofy. No, no, she wasn't. Because as she got closer, it was apparent she was a point. She was pointing at me, and there were two other people in the hall. We passed just as we came up on each other, and she said, "What are those stupid things on your legs? What kind of a ridiculous fashion statement are those?" And she laughed. Well, I was wearing a dress, and that's not something that I've done that often in the past. But it's something I started doing this summer because it's been so extremely hot. So I really didn't think much about it, to tell you the truth. But when I'm wearing a dress, you can see my knee braces because this particular dress and some other ones I have come just to the top of my knees. So my knee braces were poking out just beneath my dress, which, you know, is, is just the way that it is. I mean, my knee braces, I'm sure, apparently look different than she's seen other knee braces because they're designed for me and they're different than what most people have. So, but these little babies help my knees from dislocating. They help keep my daily pain at bay for as long as possible. With these little blessings on, I can walk. It never dawned on me that someone would laugh at me because I had knee braces on. I just said to her as I kept on walking past her, they're knee braces so I can walk. And she laughed and said, well, they look stupid. Truthfully, it didn't faze me though. I mean, this is how I normally am. I just thought, how sadly ignorant is she? And I said a little prayer for her and moved on. And that's the way I tackle most of these things about my looks or anything that might be considered vanity. I could have fit into it and let that simple ignorant statement take me down for the entire day or even longer. I could have let it send me into a pity party about having Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and owning about, oh, I don't know, 14 braces, a drawer full of ace bandages, 10 ice packs, slings, walkers, rollators, a wheelchair, and about 50 other tools and devices and supports I use 
on a daily and weekly basis just so that I can walk and get some exercise and feel good and do the things that I love to do. Um, but that day, I remembered who I am. But on the other days, like when I saw the dreaded video um, that week, I let it all get to me. You see, I've had 23 surgeries in my lifetime with a whole lot of recuperation and recovery time. So learning not to totally focus on what's going on just in my flesh has been a battle much of my life. But with God, I've been able to do it. I mean, when I can sneeze and pop a rib out or roll over in the middle of the night and my knee dislocates from having this thing called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, I know that no matter how horrible I feel, I can't let my flesh stop me. I can't let it stop me in my tracks or I would never truly live. I would never accomplish anything. I've had to learn how to embrace where I am, who I am, that I have EDS, that my body is ever-changing, morphing, growing, shrinking, whatever it's doing in the moment. I've had to learn how to do that and and challenge my body uh, and my mindset to keep going and accept the parts of it that I can't change. To learn to rest when I need to rest and to wear braces when I need to wear braces, to do more physical therapy if I need to, to ice down parts of my body, to move more, to move less, whatever it's needed at the time. Um, you know, rinse Wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, whatever it is I need to do. Because if I don't, I'll become stagnant. And if I become stagnant physically and mentally, then I've totally lost uh, my vision and the purpose that God has me here for. So yes, God can heal. Oh, how thankful I I am because I know that he can heal and he has healed me from many things. But sometimes he chooses not to heal. And from the healing, I've had to... um, Realize that I still have a purpose, even though he hasn't healed me from certain things. There's always a purpose in the pain, be it physical, mental, or emotional. I am not a boo-hoo, look at me, or look what I've done kind of a gal. So for this kind of mindset, as of late, to derail me, it surprised me. I had to dig into it. I had to remind myself that what's what, who's who, and who's I am. And one of my greatest desires in life is to truly live while I'm alive. If you've known me for more than a blink of an eye, you will know that I live. I am not a stand on the sidelines, stuck in one spot, watching the world go by kind of a person. Because I used to be that when I was younger. And I determined not to be that when God put his hand on me and showed me a few things I really needed to know. I want to live the life of purpose that God has planned for me, to move up and beyond, away from my flesh, and into God's will for my life. This has been my focus for many years. And then that week, that videotape, boom. Hello, Karen. Goodbye, Karen's determination not to let the flesh get in her way of her purpose. So this particular week and the last few weeks, I I felt like the evil stepmother in Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall. That's what I was asking myself for days. And I let it get to me for a couple weeks. Nowadays, I guess that would be selfie, selfie, right? On my phone or on my Instagram or Snapchat. Well, I don't have Snapchat. Barely have Facebook. But anyway, I I, I think that the Grimm's brothers must have had a premenopausal, thick-thighed, chocolate-craving, ovary-cramping woman in their lives Otherwise, they would have never been able to write Snow White's evil stepmother with such amazing detail. I mean, how many times have we looked in the mirror to see what's going on? How many times a day 
for some people? Do they look in the mirror or they look at their selfie camera? I do confess that I do look in my selfie camera to see if I have anything in my teeth after I ate. Um, I try to do it when no one's looking though. But of course, um, I do occasionally flip down the visor mirror and look at myself in the car. But how often do we do it? Are your hair still in place? Is your makeup smudged? Am I okay without makeup today? Um, feeling vain lately, Karen? Am I that much different than the stepmother in Snow White? She was consulting the mirror to get feedback on how she looked. At one time, she must have been really, like, hot. Really been the bomb. Because if she was truly the fairest in the land until Snow White came of age, she must have been gorgeous. But the vanity got to her. The Bible has a few things to say about this kind of mirror, mirror vanity. Yep, because this is a case of intermittent relapsing vanity on my part. And I'm calling it out. I'm telling you like it is. Frankly, it hurts. Because this hasn't just been that one day, one hour case of, holy smokes, who is that person on that video? Why is her hair so thin? Why is she bigger than life? Bigger in all the wrong places, might I add you, on that video. You probably wouldn't expect that kind of level of vanity from me if you knew me well. You'd probably say I was one of the least vain people you'd ever met. And that's not playing the, oh, I'm so meek, mild, look at me, I'm a good Christian by saying I'm not vain card. 90% of the time, I truly don't give a whip about how my clothes and my makeup look to other people, which I don't often wear, by the way. Okay, wait, no, no, no. (laughs) I don't often wear makeup. I do wear clothes. Okay, better clarify that. Sorry. I do wear, I do wear clothes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here naked doing a podcast just to reassure you. Okay, get that out of your head. (laughs) Anyhow, so I've been feeling like, what is wrong with me? That's what I've been feeling like. Because when my women's group meets at my house, you're more than likely to come to women's group and see me dressed in pajamas, my hair in a ponytail and slippers on my feet, or I'm barefoot. That's just me. I walk to the mailbox in my PJs. I go to the garden in them. It just doesn't dawn on me to worry about what someone might see me dressed in or even care what they say about how I'm dressed. Although I, I will say I always have an although. Okay. And here's my although here. Okay. I was a wee bit crunching inside when I fell and broke my leg. Why? Because I was in my PJs in the front yard trampling around in six inches of snow that day. And the paramedics had to cut my PJs off in order to stabilize my leg. And my oh-so-I-don't-care-what-I'm-wearing attitude resulted in me losing one of my favorite pair of pajama bottoms cut up and me exposing my bottom to the medic and the police officer in training who was doing a ride-along. So (laughs) that's my although. But usually I don't mind and don't care if I'm in my pajamas. So it hasn't stopped me. I am still a pajama wearing, not so vain, don't care what you think of my clothing choice person most of the time. In fact, if you ask the supervisor on the job, which I started in April, um, she would tell you, yes, I sent her an email and asked if I could wear my pajamas to work. (laughs) Granted, I was joking, but kind of not because if she would have said yes, I would do it. (laughs) Do I go to Walmart in my pajamas? No. No, I don't. And confession here is, I don't do it because I don't want to end up ridiculed online on some Facebook page making fun of people who go to Walmart in their pajamas. At least they have clothes on, people. Get over yourselves. I'd rather see people in their long pajamas and thermal tops 
at Walmart than a 40-year-old woman with skin-tight yoga pants on and bikini top with her butt crack hanging out. I mean, I'm just saying. I do drive to my mom's in my pajamas, though. I mean, hey, it does not bother me. You know, I saw someone on Instagram do a little Insta story about how women degrade themselves by wearing sweats, pajamas, and house dresses out in public. And I think that my grandmother, who passed away a couple years ago, uh, whom I miss greatly, she, even at uh, 75, 80, 90, 95 years old, she wore a house dress out sometimes because it was comfortable to her. So I think she would beg to differ, lady. Um, this person on Instagram said that these women who wear sweats, pajamas, and house dresses out in public are what's wrong with the world. Um, this semi-celebrity said that these women should take pride in themselves, put some makeup on, get off the couch, quit eating potato chips, and grab some self-esteem. Guess what, Miss Hollywood? I think it probably takes a whole lot more self-assurance self-esteem and bravado to wear PJs in public than it does to take 30 minutes or more doing your hair and makeup just to go out in case someone might see you when you pop into a store to buy some dog food, a dozen eggs, and some stool softener. Now, I don't see anything wrong with wearing makeup or dressing nice. I don't. Absolutely not. I do it sometimes. Everyone has to feel comfortable in their own skin. But if the reason you're wearing makeup is because you're not comfortable in your own skin, then that's an issue. If the reason you're dressing up to go buy some tampons and pick up your blood pressure medication is because you're afraid not to and because you don't love yourself, well, then that's an issue. I mean, come on. If your focus is totally on how you look to the world and having your pride, then when is your focus ever on how Jesus sees you or ever on just being who God made you to be? This is why this topic is so difficult for me. Because I truly do care so much more about whether or not people see Jesus in me than whether or not they see me and what I look like. And yet, 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 splish, splash, dose of reality douses me when I see myself on the video. <laughs> oh my gosh. Vanity is, is called, um, is defined as inflated pride in oneself and especially one's appearance. Narcissism self-regard, self-admiration, conceit, self-glory. That's what the evil stepmother in Snow White was doing, right? Plumping up her vanity by calling herself the fairest in the land, getting worldly validation from the mirror. How do we seek that validation from the world today? Posting selfies, checking ourselves out in the mirror a dozen times a day, wearing extra mascara, lower cut blouses, higher cut thongs, spray tanning our legs, sucking our size 14 bodies into a size 10 jeans. Now, I'm not talking about staying healthy or dressing in a way that helps us to feel better about ourselves or feeling good about the body we're blessed with, whether it's shapely, straight, curvy, curvy, large, or small. I'm talking about the kind of vanity that causes us to hyper-focus on nothing but ourselves. The kind that derailed me this week and the week before and the week before when I saw those videos that I had to watch of, for my, of myself. Because the more I watched, the longer I saw myself talk move, make crazy faces, which apparently some people love, but I thought they were really crazy. And the more I saw them, um, the more flaws I saw in myself. I saw every little flaw I knew I had and a list of new ones that I didn't know I had. Maybe someone else wouldn't consider them flaws. And maybe some days I wouldn't either, but on an overly sensitive, critical, 
have my face in the world kind of day, uh, boy, did I see flaws. I saw how thin my hair was, how red my face got under the lights, how I had, had to adjust my blouse a lot because one breast is larger than the other. Just telling you, yes, my, my entire body is lopsided and it's a fact I've known all my life, but wow, seeing it on video was like watching a baby taste medicine for the first time. I know my face puckered, my squinty eyes bugged out a little bit, and I tilted my head to one side, hoping I was experiencing um, something else, yet it wasn't. I was experiencing this video of myself, and, and it wasn't good. It didn't taste great. I wanted to spit it right back out. Um, if there was ever a time I didn't want to look in the mirror, it was then. The video was enough. The still shots from the day weren't so bad, but that all depends on how close they were up to me and if I held a proper knot. <laughs> Even in some of the still shots though, I noticed how awkward my mouth sat. And, and when I look back on and I watched more video to edit and to splice and put bits and pieces together, I noticed something I hadn't paid attention to in a very long time. It kind of startled me too. My mouth droops to one side more dramatically when I'm pronouncing some words over others. In fact, it droops so much that it affects my speech a little bit. You may be able to hear it uh, in the way I talk. Sometimes it sounds like I'm slurring or certain words kind of almost whistle a little bit. <laughs> Again, it's been many years since I've seen myself on video and I don't know if I just forgot that my face drooped to one side or, or what, but it seemed so prominent to me uh, for the place where I was uh, a few weeks ago, especially when I first saw it. Now, I know that when I hear myself on the podcast, I can hear that at times and certain words sound a little slurred, like I said. Um, but hey, this is me. This is the way I talk. And considering I do have a little bit of a hillbilly twang to me after living in, living in Kentucky so long, I, I just kind of let it slide. But what I saw in the video sort of sunk me further into that desire for a cerebrocation because I had a complete cerebral moment of chaos going in my head over this droopy face. It brought me back to the reason for the droop in my face. In 2001, a blood vessel burst in the back of my throat. It was just a few days after I had a tonsillectomy. And once I was in the ER um, after that, I had to have someone suction the blood from my mouth and nose so I could breathe. I bled for three hours straight and I lost over half my blood supply. And during that trauma, I went into tachycardia and I had a stroke. So that left me some residual effects after healing. Praise God, they found out what the issue was. And even though it took a while, they went in, they, they took care of it. And I did heal from it. It took some time, but I still have this one place on the corner of my mouth on the left side that has no feeling in it whatsoever. And it droops. I just joke most of the time that no one notices because, as I said earlier, my entire body is lopsided anyhow. But seeing that on the video took me by surprise. Again, vanity. Taking pride in one's own beauty and self-glorification. No, I wasn't taking pride in how I looked, thinking I looked so great, but I was being critical of what I couldn't take pride in. I was chastising myself for not taking more pride in how I looked for not being more vain. If I had done more with my hair, what little hair I have, if I had put more makeup on, if I didn't, um, if I hadn't had a stroke, if I had worked harder to look a certain way, then I could take pride in that. If I weighed less, 
or if I wore a different blouse, uh, then maybe one breast wouldn't be looking like it's in the C category while the other one is in the B category. All the things that rushed at me when I saw that video, they were taunting at me to take pride in them so that next time I would be even more vain and worry about all those little things. That's all vanity. Being into my looks, over-focusing on them, whether I think they were fantabulous or horrible or needing to be perfected, that's vanity. I actually met a woman the other day who was shockingly vain. Some might call it confidence. I don't. In fact, I believe that a lot of men and women who come across as overly confident or cocky or narcissistic are actually extremely insecure. I think they have to work hard to love themselves and they usually feel very unloved and might not even know the love of Jesus Christ. So they talk themselves up and work hard to display themselves as someone who is the loveliest, the fairest in the land. This woman, I met her at an event and um, she was beautiful. I have to say, she was gorgeous. And when I complimented her on her dress, I said, that's such a great outfit. Her response was kind of, well, she looked at me like, duh. <laughs> and she actually said to me, yes, I know. It doesn't matter though. I make every outfit look good. I mean, seriously, this is what she said. I just smiled, kind of halfway laughed and said, yeah, okay. And I walked off. And that's an example of vanity and self-pride. And I don't know why it shocks me because you see it a lot of places anymore, but it still shocks me. And how easily we can fall into those traps, either making vanity 10% of our lives or 90% of our lives. Either way, it's not okay and it, it doesn't feel good. First Peter 3, 3 through 4 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I know that's difficult, and it's a reminder we all need from time to time. Some of us, more than others, but the beauty, the gifts, the compassion, the love we have within us is so much more valuable and beautiful to God than anything we can put on on the outside. What we have inside is so much more worthy than anything of this world that we can wrap ourselves in, apply to our faces or Photoshop ourselves into. So as I've been working through these pictures and videos I need to use, I have been praying and seeking God's direction. And so if you're listening to this, I'm asking you to pray for me too, to overcome my vanity, my self-deprecation, my negative thoughts, and, and these worldly ideas about how I think I should look now uh, in, in posting a picture or trying to put a video online. It will never, ever be my favorite thing to do. And I don't know how often I'll actually do it, but I've prayed a lot about posting these videos and and fulfilling some of these requests for some inspirational Insta stories on my Instagram. And I know that, and I've known for quite some time actually, that this is what God has been leading me to do. And yet I've said no to him a thousand times. Out of vanity. Out of fear. And I've worked hard the last 20 years not to make decisions out of fear. Not to go forward in, in fear with anything or shrink back in fear. But to step out in truth and in faith. So please pray with me, for me, in agreement with me, that I won't let vanity or fear keep me from doing this or whatever else it is that God has for me to do. 
So no ridicule, no, no judgment of, of man or woman should reside in my head. I should not let it take me over. I should not let it plant seeds in my head or in my heart. I know that's easier said than done, but it is so important, not just for me, but for you too. And like God does, he reminded me of this in a big way a few days ago. I had one of those eye-opening experiences. I was talking to a woman who was telling me about her quest to lose weight. We were commiserating, actually. And she's quite petite, not like me. I have like linebacker shoulders, huge feet, and lumberjack hands, which come in handy, by the way, especially when I'm doing yard work. And they don't bother me. You know, 90% of the time, none of that even dawns on me. I don't even think about it. It's just part of who I am, and I've embraced it. I have big feet. Okay, I have big feet. I just just means I get really cool shoes. And when I get them, I try to get them in every color there is. Um, but she's about four foot eleven and 48 years old, very petite. She's gained weight over the last few years and she said she's trying to lose 20 pounds. She's tried all kinds of drinks, powders, and potions, but to no avail. So we were talking about foods and chemicals and hormones. And she said, I just hate all this because I get so tired of hearing my husband say, think you could gain any more weight? Thank God I don't have to pay for you by the pound like I do food at the store. And I'm, I just looked at her. I couldn't believe she just said what she said. I know my, my jaw my jaw literally dropped. I, I know it did. And I felt bad for that. But I was shocked. And I said, your husband says those things to you? And she said, yeah, doesn't yours? No, absolutely not. Never. Never, ever. And she said, well, I guess I just grew up that way and I married someone who's that way. She said that her husband pokes her in the side and pinches her waist where she's gained weight and tells her that he'll be glad when she stops getting fat. I just about cried. I know I teared up and I felt angry on her behalf. I was startled. I I don't know why I was startled because I know there are probably a lot of people out there like that. But I guess that's because so far from my own reality... I have been blessed not to have that as an example growing up, for one thing. We weren't allowed to degrade each other growing up, my brothers and sisters and I. Um, Joking was one thing, but to insult and pick apart anyone's looks, intellect, character, whether it was somebody we knew or didn't know, never. And I never saw my dad do anything but encourage my mom and love her no matter what changes her body went through. And my husband actually gets on me and gets upset at me if he hears me degrade myself. If he hears me insult myself or say anything derogatory, whew, he, he gets upset. He does not like it. Um, so I, I'm not used to that. And it's not okay, by the way. So if you have someone in your life who does that to you, whether it's a husband, a spouse, a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, coworker, it's not okay. And so this woman, whom I have great compassion for, looked at me then Without a tear, without a sad look in her eye, without it seemingly to affect her. And she said, well, I just have to listen to my husband because I am fat and fat is ugly no matter what or who it's on. I just have to keep taking these pills and he'll start treating me nice again. Okay, ladies, whomever, ladies, gentlemen listening to me, let me repeat it. My self-esteem, my level of self-love, Jesus's love for me are not up for grabs. They are not dependent on what someone else says of me or thinks of me or whether or not they think I'm too heavy or too thin or or my feet are too big or whether or not I look good on video or not. I cannot, you cannot, we cannot let what the world says about us 
what any person says about our looks, about our self-worth, reside in our heads, plant seeds, and take up places in our heads and heart, and take up space that is meant for the love of Jesus Christ and the truth. So hearing this woman's words about herself made me check my words, made me hear how I must sound to my husband when I do degrade myself. It made me quickly reflect back on all the flaws I chastised myself for in the video and in the pictures. And I'm not talking about joking around about how big my feet are and how my hands are and how one breast is bigger than the other because I do a lot of female humor and come on ladies, that's true. And yes, my breasts have retreated south. Not just for the winter, but probably permanently. But that's why they make good bras. That stuff doesn't bother me. And it's not something I take personally. But when I looked at that video and I let it grab a hold of me for a few weeks at a time and I took those things seriously or I didn't want them to even be a part of who I was and a part of my reality and they derailed my purpose for a while they derailed my every thought I knew that I had a problem and I needed to deal with it and I had to take it to the Lord so I had to pray for the strength to not let that vanity and those things take me down down because those are not my reality I am not ashamed of who I am and I am not ashamed of my body. I won't be belittled by my fears, by my desires to be physically different than I am. And I refuse to let fear tell me lies about who I am because of what my body looks like. As imperfect as it is because it is just flesh. I refuse to be a wife who thinks that it's okay for my husband to insult me and say my worth is tied to how I look. And praise God, I don't have that. And I refuse to be a woman who speaks negative words instead of positive words of love and hope towards myself or any other woman. Will my body change? Maybe. <laughs> Will I work on making it the healthiest it can be in the face of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and broken bones, or dislocated joints and perpetual pain? Or the test of time and growing old? Yes, absolutely. I will do my best to make it as healthy as I can be. Will I continue to let myself lament and boo-hoo in a pity party over how I could look or how I wished I looked when I don't have to? No, I refuse. I hope you refuse too. I pray you'll embrace the way God sees you from the inside out, from the heart to the head, to the face, to the feet, from the freckles on your nose to the occasional split ends on your hair to the wider hips and the thinner lips and the cellulite or the unpainted toenails, the dry skin on your elbows to the blisters on your hands from doing hard work. I pray that what others see in you is the sparkle in your eye, not a sadness there because you weren't born to be or look like something that someone else thinks you should look like. 1 Samuel 16 says in it, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, so today, I pray for each of you listening. And as you pray, please pray for me. That together we will know that our outward appearance, that vision we see when we look in the mirror, should reflect what's in our hearts, not what's in our makeup bag. So I'm going to repeat the quote from earlier, okay? It's by Harry Emerson Fosdick. I hope after listening to the podcast, you'll kind of take this in a little bit more. Rebellion against your handicaps gets you nowhere. Self-pity gets you nowhere. One must have the adventurous daring to accept oneself as a bundle of possibilities and undertake the most interesting game in the world, making the most of one's best. 
Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I would appreciate it if you would like, follow, and share this podcast. If you're listening to me on my website at womaninspired.com, you can also find this podcast on Google Play, Apple, and Podbean.